This is Chinwag at 25 frames per second, episode 2, featuring myself, Rogan, Solo, Sharif, yep. and Sam Glynn-Smith. So, um, Chinwag at 25 frames per second is literally just a way of saying, um, talking about film. Uh, Chinwag is a, is a like an old slang word in Britain for talk and um, at 25 frames per second is what we edit film on over here so let's just just film just we just talk about film maybe tv as well um and we have uh, various different segments and stuff one of the things we wanted to do today was to with disney plus coming uh, we wanted to pitch a disney plus show or film and that could be in any of the Star Wars or Marvel, Disney animated, Pixar. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I guess we could even open it up to Fox properties as well, although we didn't actually. Yeah, yeah, because they've got they've got the licenses for it now, so in theory it could be the same. Yeah. But I mean, they are they are one and the same really at this point. Yeah, it'll be um, interesting to see what properties. Marvel starts working with. Anyway, so Solo, you're going to lead us off here. So what yeah, um, Disney um, well, Plus property are you going to pitch? Uh, well, what I wanted to pitch was... Um, basically, there's a lot of Marvel characters that realistically will never make it to the big screen just because they're like too violent or just dark and murder people all the time i think blade has been our only exception and that's not even out yet because blade's a well-known murderer but there was this there was this um yeah what what about the guardians what about deadpool uh uh, uh, okay well the guard the guardians would you really say they're violent like i mean yeah they shoot people but are they like I mean, compared to the the ideas for characters, I think would work for this idea. I think they're very far apart. Because th- essentially, what I want it, yeah. I think they they they've got a high kill count in the Guardians films, though. Oh yeah, definitely. I think I I think there was like a statistic where uh, was it Volume One? Yeah, I think Volume One had the highest kill count in the Marvel films for a while. Obviously, Infinity War just wins on the technicality of half a universe. Yeah, I, I I always find the argument funny that like DC is dark and doesn't kill anybody, and uh, Marvel is light. And when you actually look at it, the, the, the people get slaughtered in these films. Oh yeah, left, right, and center, brother. Um. Um. Oh yeah. Well. A- anyways. Uh. So the idea I had was. There used to be this line of Marvel comic called Adventure into Fear. And that was like an area where a lot of the horror characters that Marvel had could really come out and flesh themselves out. Is so, this like a DC Dark thing? Um, sorry, a Justice League Dark? No, it's it's just like... it's. I mean, Justice League Dark is the... Like a team, it's like a Justice League team that just deals with like the supernatural, like magical threats. Um, a bit like how the classic Defenders used to be um, when it was Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Hulk, and Namor. But this is more just like straight horror characters that 
realistically, Disney's never going to put out a horror Marvel movie. I mean... Uh, Doctor Strange into the multiverse is meant to be horror. It's been directed by... Um, oh, yeah. What's Scott the... Derrickson. Do, yeah. do you think that that's going to be in the same vein as the way Ant-Man was a heist film? Which is like... It's not It's not quite a heist film, but it... it it's going to have it, heist elements. Yeah, it takes from it. Yeah, I think it's going to be scary. It, I think it it might be eerie, but I don't I don't think I'd class it a horror because they had, um, is it it's the same director as the first Doctor Strange? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, and you could you could see that he had put in his horror elements, but I would I don't I don't think it would actually be a horror. I think you know what I mean. When we start to see Wonder Vision, we'll start to get an idea of. Whether it's horror or not, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's heavily, it's heavily tied into to that show apparently. Um, I can see Disney doing it though. Like, you think? Disney see only because like they're just trying to push the boat out a bit, like like with Deadpool as well. With Deadpool two being like as outrageous as the first one, and then being kind of like under. Like I don't know, he's associated with Disney now, isn't he? It was was it Disney owned Deadpool by the second time? I'm pretty sure they did, didn't they? Because I remember uh, like there being a big thing about will it be capped? I, I think I think at that at that point it was um, oh, I can't I can't remember who else was in the running for it, but there was there was a bidding war, and I I want to say it's the uh, the the big corporation that owns. Um, Universal. What for? For Fox for or just Fox, for Deadpool? Yeah, there was there was two, there, there was two studios mm-hmm. going for it. Um, you know. Oh yeah, I do remember that. There was a um, it was it was a bidding war. Fuck, yeah, was they were they were gonna get Fox for cheaper than Star Wars at one point. Aye. You know, which is kind of crazy because Fox uh, distributed. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> they used to have the Fox logo on the front. That's the thing. So mm. I, c- I can see Disney just trying to just branch out a little bit. Because uh, they, obviously they've got the whole kids thing, but once they beheaded Thanos in, in what, Endgame, they've just, they're getting rid of their moral code. You know yeah. I mean? they're, they're getting brutal. So I know. I, it's, I could it's... see them doing a horror. I, I still don't think they... I think that... I, to be honest, I think the reason they wouldn't do it... It's like I could see it working were they to do it, but I think the fear on their, like, the editorial behalf is that horror is a very niche genre. And if they were like, we're putting out a horror film, even though it's superhero-based they'd be worried about the backlash of people going to see it and hating it because they expected a superhero film and got a horror film. And I think that's a big fear that would stop a company like Disney doing a film like that. Okay, so we've got this Marvel adventure into the fear. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Getting, yeah, getting back to what we, were, what, what we were talking about at the start. Yes. Um, so it would be... I think it would it would probably work best as an animated series, just so that way, 
you could just concentrate on really getting the vocal talent and it would it would really help characters like actually you know i'll pitch the characters first and then go into the justifications so i think ones that i definitely want would be the man thing morbius the living vampire even though he he does have a film coming out with sony soon but i reckon that's going to be terrible so we we could ignore that um, can, can we though because if he's well, if he's if this character's owned by sony it can't I'm, physically be on the disney plus service i'm pitching for an ideal world <laughs> okay okay um so this is once Disney have bought Hollywood. Yeah, once yeah, once Disney is all that remains in the movie world. The mouse. Um yeah, so Morbius will have his feature. There'll be a tomb of a tomb of Dracula episode, uh Werewolf by Night, Son of Satan, uh Ghost Rider and Doctor Voodoo are some of the ones that I'm thinking of. Okay, and, and explain how this, this all these characters are gonna work within the one show well how the show would kind of work would it be like each episode would just be contained to that hero so it's like even though they could they could fit into the canon that would be the mcu save for maybe the tomb of dracula one because ideally i'd like to do like a classic dracula who was a very he was a very introverted hero and he was like he didn't just walk the line of hero anti-hero he actively crossed it both ways so it was like he would go out and say like feed on the innocent but then he'd stop i think there's one where his uh i want to say third wife was a girl that got kidnapped by a satanic cult so he went like wiped out all these satanists and rescued her and then like they fell in love with each other so it's like he can literally go from just fucking wiping out an entire town to rescuing the like disenfranchised in a blink of an eye and i think the the reason that that would struggle to fit in the mcu is because there is a blade film coming out they could potentially just want dracula as uh, they could just want Dracula as Dracula, the evil guy who's fucking kidnapping kids and shit. But I think it would be a lot better if they got the anti-hero Dracula. Because originally he did, he helped, he was actually one of the guys that helped Blade train to be the vampire hunter that he became. Even though Dracula is king of, dra- king of vampires. <laughs> Yeah, but he like, and he actively helped Blade hunt down his own kind. Really, that's population control. Yeah, in it. <laughs> so um, um, this is like an anthology series, right? Yeah, yeah. It would just be sort of. Are there any crossovers out? at all? Like, and and also like, is it strictly one episode per character, or will there be like multi-episode arcs? Um, to be honest, I just thought about it as doing like probably half hour episodes, maybe, maybe half hour to 40 minutes, just cause it's, cause it's on a streaming service. There's a lot, there's a bit more freedom with runtime and they would be contained to one hero's adventures and 
they would conclude within the 40 minutes. And to be honest, I didn't think about them crossing over down the line, but there is history, obviously, between Dracula and Morbius because they're both vampires. Um, Werewolf and Dracula. Obviously, there are difficulties with... um crossing it over to the MCU canon but mm. with, oh, yeah. with within its own bubble within the Marvel adventure into fear the let's call it Marvel horror but bubble yeah um would would it all be in canon so the the things that happen in Dracula will, will affect the things that happen with uh, Morbius you know I'd want to keep it self-contained even though they are canonically existing with each other it would be like I, I guess it's, it would be they exist within the same universe, but they're just in different places, so they never cross over with each other. A bit. I mean, essentially, it would just be like how comics work, I guess, where there's like 50 million heroes in a comic issue, but they just never see each other. So similar to that. Cool. Um, I've got um, a few more questions. I want to know like what, what this animation is going to look and feel like. So, um, is it, are you go, going to go with a kind of 2D animation, uh, you know, 3D? Um, no, but, but have you thought about how, how the show looks and feels? Some of them, I think... I think the issue I've had with thinking about that is that I would ideally like it to share one animation style but there's certain ones that I think maybe would benefit from like slightly different designs or even actually to be honest I think they definitely all share a similar color palette it would be very dark with it would be I think black and red would probably be the primary colors that you see in the show okay because um, especially with I mean man thing Morbius and Dracula they're they live in black and red pretty much so it would really benefit the three of them and i guess just all of the other ones just because they're just because it's horror based i mean werewolf by night is literally like you can only be a werewolf at night so it's going to be dark out pretty much all the fucking time anyway son of satan again most of his shit happens at night because it's dealing with like satan cults so they'd all be like dark and gloomy, but in terms of actual art style, I'm not sure whether it'd be like individual style per episode or I'd have one overarching through it. Awesome. Cool. Um, sounds awesome. Uh, we, we need yeah. to move on to Sam's idea. Yeah, yeah. Feel yeah. free. Play the music. Well, the idea I had was to kind of do like single episodes based on different Disney slash Pixar villains that I think were just slightly misunderstood and like give like kind of like a background as well because what I've just been thinking about is that like each one of the villains I've decided has like huge gaps where you don't really know what's happened to them. So like for the first part, like 
uh, I was going for like Syndrome from yeah. The Incredibles. So I think really what he's what he's trying to do is is just like it's basically just like a take on communism. Like he's trying to basically take away all the powers from the superheroes by giving everyone the same technology if you get what i mean like his so, like, whole thing is everyone on equal footing yeah if everyone's super no one's super you know what i mean and i think realistically what he's doing is actually really heroic for the most part like you can't have certain individuals having more power than others because not everyone's always going to use it for good whereas if you give everyone the same thing like it's equal, it's like equal opportunity isn't it so yeah, yeah. you can you could argue that he just wanted what was best for everyone is this is this like a kind of mockumentary style kind like of, being yeah. interviewed and 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 stuff yeah yeah and it it cut back it cut back and it'd be like i don't know like obviously syndrome ends up getting sucked into a Flipping no capes turbine no capes <laughs> yeah he found that one out the hard way man <laughs> yeah but like it'd be like finding out because obviously you see him as a kid and then like all of a sudden he's lowering mr incredible to like an island where he's got all this money out of nowhere like and they don't really make out that he's like a smart kid uh, well i mean they do i guess he does he designs his own jetpack shoes. But you don't really know where that comes from. Yeah, you only see him for a scene as a kid, don't you? So you... Yeah. So would you, like... Are you saying you'd kind of tell a story in, like, their backstory or something? Or Yeah, kind of. And, and basically try and change the mind of the viewer on, like, that they're not that bad of a guy. Like, leading on to my next example, like, Charles Mumps from Up. Like, realistically, he's just doing amazing things. Like, he's getting... He's allowing dogs to commun- communicate with humans. You know what I mean? Like, realistically, he'd gone to find this bird, which everyone, like, knew that's what he did. Knew, like, that's he's an explorer. He finds, like, rare exotic things. Yet, all of a sudden, we just, we just hate him because he's trying to... Obviously, they... Is it Kevin, the bird? Does he call it Kevin? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, like we're introduced to Kevin. It's been too long since I've seen up. Yeah, so we're like, oh, he's trying to get like Kevin. He's a bad person. But like from the get-go, we know what he does. So like, can you blame him? Like, because everyone's saying he's made like this this creature up. Like, so obviously he's going to be obsessed with the fact. And when he finally caught it, like he's been out there for years on his own <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, why would he not would... want to get that back the guy was a fucking mentalist though to be fair an old man just so he could fucking poach some bird bro it wasn't like... kidnap at first yeah they, they, uh, they well, turned into I'm kidnapped sh- when, the, when sure the little kid was like oh no we'll use that excuse <laughs> no it wasn't no, like, it they were all eating meals they just couldn't find the exit I just accidentally locked the doors behind them. <laughs> yeah. Going on, going back to some Disney 
classic as well. It can't like, include all the villains, right? Some 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 of the villains, yeah. like you, no, you, some, you know, some you can't justify. Yeah, <laughs> oh, of course. Your you scars, what were we saying? Cruella de Vils, uh, yeah, Jafar's. They're they're long gone. That's where they were her dogs, anyway. No, she's pet. No, she, were they? Were they not? Were they not? I, I, my hundred and one Dalmatians is kind of hazy. I don't really. There's got to be some reason she has claim to them dogs, don't they? No, she just. I, I remember it being she just fucking wanted those dogs. Like she, <laughs> that, 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 that's how I remember it was literally she sees yeah. them. Well, or maybe she. Uh, to buy they're doing them. a Cruella prequel, aren't they, with Emma Stone? Oh yeah. Oh, I did <laughs> not know about that. Yeah. That is mad. But. I mean, but okay, but even even if she did originally own those dogs, skinning a bunch of dogs to turn him into clothes, regardless of whether or not you quote unquote own them, I think crosses cr- definitely crosses a line for me in villainy, shall we say? The vegan out here. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> my eyes turned green. <laughs> mm. I have to use my fucking psychic powers like in Scott Pilgrim. My last example of this one is just going to be Gaston from Beauty and the Beast because, to be honest, like the Beast is turned into a beast for a reason and then kidnaps a bloke from the village, you know what I mean? And then, then he then kidnaps a woman from the village. And Gaston's okay. literally just trying to do his job as like town protector plus at the same time this mansion was full of people like workers and that now they've all changed into cutlery and stuff right but like as far as the people in the village and gaston know this beast is just coming and scrammed the whole mansion like yeah, no, yeah but- okay i've all right my argument with this is like i guess you, you can argue that the beast is a dickhead but i don't i think gaston it's like he did still throw her her dad into the little cart to send him away to the psychiatric ward so they could get rid of him. Even after finding out he was telling the truth. Look, then they tried to do the same to Belle. Nobody's saying Just, that Gaston's a nice bloke. You know, but is he a <laughs> villain? <laughs> to be honest, like, I don't think... I think the... They didn't really know about, like, Stockholm Syndrome... And that, <laughs> like back then so like they'd have never really got why a girl would fall in love with this big massive beast that's kidnapped her hey, man, so i can see why she got carted it. off as you know what i mean i can see i, I get it i get it <laughs> you can see his perspective <laughs> honestly i can but like the guy's just trying to make an honest living protect everyone you know what I mean? Get him round the ladies of the village. And then he just wants one. Like, he wants to be loyal to Belle. But then she's like, oh, no. I'm going to go with this big beast instead. <laughs> yeah, you know was, I mean? so you're saying you don't respect her right to choose or something, Sam? Is that I, what I'm it's hearing? Not, it's, not, it's not that I don't respect the right to choose. <laughs> I just don't think you should fall in love with your kidnapper. I feel like that's some... Or, or if if somebody comes to free you from said kidnapper, like, he's not the villain, is he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fiona didn't fall in love with the dragon, yeah, she fell in love with Shrek. So <laughs> I'll say on that. We we don't hate Shrek for doing what he did, innit? Yeah. Lord Farquaad just straight up got cock blocked there. <laughs> yeah, 
Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wrap up on that. That's that's the idea. So what what I uh, want to try and figure out is like how the show works. So like, is there is there kind of a singular thread that goes through all of these stories, and is it like kind of more documentary based storytelling, or are we getting like um, a retelling of that character's sort of arc throughout life? Um, yeah. Yeah, like and are we going to get like? Interests me. Yeah, are we going to get other like sub characters involved within the shows as well? Yeah, I think maybe even do it as like a like a prison parole thing, in it, and they're looking back <laughs> through. They're looking through what they did, and like they're looking why they did things. They they see. So I based it off oh. like the film Hoodwinked. If you like, do you know no, the little I, red I riding thought- hood? I thought you were gonna say re- the scene in Wreck It Ralph where all the villains are sitting around. Yeah, like, yeah, that as well. Sitting around talking about it. Yeah, the, I thought uh, that was what you were gonna say. Evil and non. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of fit. Like seeing if they're like ready to be released on and to the outside, but you've got like obviously like a very angry Mister Potato Head, like leading the. Interrogation. I'm not quite thought who the other detectives are. I feel like we need to do with like Goofy or something. Just, just in there, innit? Or just like a, or maybe the cricket from what's uh, it, Princess and the um, Frog? That should. Be, oh, oh, I never saw that one. Oh, he's Bear Stone. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- God, who would work? I'm, try- I'm trying to think who would work with Mr. Potato Head because I love Potato Head on it. But yeah, potato. Would be... You need you need that kind of character that's gonna wind Potato Head up a little bit, you know, getting mm. getting get a bit riled. You need a good cop to his bad cop. Uh, like uh, the Felix Fix It in um, oh. in Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so overly positive. <laughs> he he just wants to like like let everyone out and give everyone a second chance and that. And then there's just Mr. Potato Head just constantly trying to make sure that they don't get out. <laughs> you could do um, Potato Head and Hercules as the two guys. Hercules you know, is another one where Hades isn't necessary. He's not all bad, you know, like, my, man got it rough. He, he led a uh, rebellion, failed, and he's the only one that got dumped, you know. In didn't they put the Titans back? Place. Uh, like... Oh yeah, the time. Oh yeah, maybe my memory of it is a little hazy. Yeah. Well, I think that version of Hercules because it's just like so. I feel like he would he would be a good counterpart to Potato Head because Potato Head is such a fucking like anxious, constantly like angry at everything kind of guy, and that Hercules is so like laid back and content with his fucking own abilities. Yeah, I it'd think be fucking clash well. It would actually be like the uh, his relationship with the trainer, you know, like Danny DeVito with Goat Legs. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, last last one as well, like Shere Khan, Shere Khan, mm, mm. free Shere Khan. Yeah, we we now know today that the smartest thing you can do in the jungle is keep man out. Yeah, trust. So. You know what I mean. Look at the rainforest. I still think he was wrong about Mowgli, though. I respect. I I think what he, his yeah. principles were correct, but yeah, I I, I, I don't blame him. And you know what yeah. I mean? He's got like a scar above his eye from mm. where you know. What I mean, if someone sets me on fi- fire, I'm probably gonna be scared of that person. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, what, what Shere Khan does is lay down the law, okay? So, like, with the law, you don't get a second chance. If you break the law, you pay the punishment. There is, there is no, you don't bend, you're not supposed to bend laws, you know? So, no man in the jungle, Shere Khan lays down the law. He's just the sheriff keeping everybody in line. Yeah. Okay, but to to argue against Shere Khan, I think he is correct, and but he's basing what he's done off of his experiences. But Bagheera, um, I can't remember if they do it in the little animated film, but he explains to Mowgli that he he has a scar under his neck from where he used to have a collar on because he used to be kept by like a pa- yeah. by a palace. I don't think I mean, they did that so in Disney. They're doing the they're doing the live action. Oh, yeah. okay, yes. yeah, true. I haven't seen that one actually, but but yeah, but it's like he, him and Shere Khan both come from a background of abuse from humans, but Bagheera is able to see that Mowgli is one of them, like man cub or not, he belongs to the jungle. He's been raised by Akela and the wolves, whereas Shere Khan just sees man. And I think that's that's a bit of a line for me with him. Yeah, but I feel like Bagheera is like representing like a political kind of stance, but like this, Shere Khan is just about the law, and in in somewhere like the jungle, the jungle needs a law, you know. So, I'd like to see uh, the Shere Khan side of the story. I think I think that's a a really cool idea for a series. Yeah. Oh, it would be dope to see like I I yeah I think for this idea it'd be sick to see Shere Khan in it. Have Baloo as a prison officer, <laughs> big Baloo in it, just stood outside the door, <laughs> pushing your meals through. Oh, God. Yeah, nah, we'll wrap that idea, Rogan. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm taking Pixar. I want to play in the in the Pixar world. Um, all right, I'm just gonna just go for it. So yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a classroom based series of short stories where each child represents the essence of a Pixar film. For example, Toy Story could be a boy called Drew who strives for friendship and chooses to play with a cowboy in a spaceman toy. Monsters Inc. would represent the biggest, scariest kid in the room who also happens to be hilarious with all of his monster toys. Hope, sorry, Hope is a heavily daydreaming kid who has balloons on his backpack. You get the idea. The teacher can represent various different categories, sorry, various different characters. So it'd be like a kind of nursery. Uh, I'd imagine the kids would be about six, seven years old. Um... And with a teacher, I put some thought into this because the teacher can actually represent characters. Oh, yeah, characters that aren't necessarily associated with her character. So it's about how the the kids find uh, inspiration and and seeing a child's imagination, which is the essence of everything that Pixar has done. So we will see the teacher quote various different lines and inspire inspire a bevy of Pixar characters via the interpretation of a child's imagination. We won't see the kids actually doing bits from the films. Uh, We'll get loads of like little mini Easter eggs, like a little girl might come past with a a fish 
um, saying uh, just keep swimming or there'll be posters on the wall of like Woody's Roundup or the circus act in A Bug's Life or the musician in Coco and so on and so forth. Um, it would be absolutely littered with Easter eggs. But the show isn't necessarily about the creation of Pixar. It is a show about childlike imagination whilst paying homage to one of the most in a, you know, innovative and creative studios of all time but there's more now we're going to revolutionize streaming media and by revolutionize i mean make a tiny suggestion which ultimately will change very little nevertheless the problem with streaming media is it's easy to get stuck in a bubble watching the set shows that the algorithms have highlighted to you and while we all hate adverts there are now no breaks in the content we just keep a constant stream which isn't really that healthy so with that being said i would run this particular series of like episodes to three to seven minutes in length and run it in front of content of course there'll be a skip option and a way of accessing the show directly but i feel this will give the platform a cinematic feel and embrace the audience's love of disney with it just simply being a, a little mini short um, homage to Pixar um, through the eyes of, of a child's imagination. Yeah, I think that that's quite that's quite sick having it on before other things because that's a lot like how um, they used to do cinema where it would be like a news broadcast or like a short would play before the actual feature. Mm. Just because, especially like it's before, <clears throat> before advertising was the conglomerate that it is now. It used to be like, I think World War Two was famous for it. It used to always be like, oh, here's what the Allies are up to, and now your movie. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Would really, it would be great to bring streaming to that kind of traditional idea of cinema. I think it's dope. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, there we go. <laughs> um, for for any of the listeners, uh, if you want to send in uh, what what your ideas will be, uh, we'd be very interested to to sort of read those um, and see what what everybody's thinking. Um, Disney, if uh, Disney have got like such a, a huge category of content to play with that um, I'm very excited for Disney Plus. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I expect the price to rapidly increase over three years. You know, it's starting at like seven pounds a month. I think it'll be like almost twenty by the time three years is done. Do you think so? They're, 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 they're doing that. it as well, but they're apparently trying to make a way so that people can't like account share and that. Oh fuck. See <sighs> the um I re- I read somewhere that um in comparison to Netflix, Disney will have 17% of the content, the volume of content that Netflix has. So I think that heavily reflects the price. And when that becomes even, when when, when the amount of content is even, yeah, mm. well, you're going to be paying more for Disney than you are for Netflix. Disney, it, Disney prides itself on being like a premium service. You know, you pay for Disney. Um you get a, an official Disney branded toy. It's twice the price. You know, you pay you pay for the brand of Disney. So, I expect that price to be to be to be daft. You know. 
Um, anyway, so the the second segment of the show, we've done the kind of fan fictiony. Uh, let's pitch some ideas part of it. Now it's something uh, that we just bring in to talk about. It could be something that we've read in the news recently. That's sort of a film related, or you know, it's just it's just a free form section. So, um, Solo, you're going to kick us off with um, failed and scrapped DC movies. Take the mic. Yeah, I think there's been... Because, um, I mean, with, with the fucking shambles that is the DCEU, if it's even still called that, there's been so many projects that... Wait, you don't, you don't like that? What? People don't, people don't like that, that DC team. D- what, DCEU? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't mind it, but it's like... I I don't have any kind of feelings on that as a title, but it's like I'm, I'm, I feel I'm, like I'm, we kind of we're at a point in their films where I don't even know if we're still in that world because I mean Aquaman was loosely connected to Justice League insofar as Mira has one line that addresses Justice League happened, and obviously we're still getting Gal Gadot, but now we're in the past again, so it's like it. Are we still what what I mean by is it still called that is like literally are we still calling it that or are we in a different world at this point? I think we're just not like oh it's hard, isn't it? I would, I would. Mm. So um Yeah a, a, anyways, on. beyond beyond what the name of this of the cinematic world that Warner and DC have, there's been so many things that have come along and then just been, I mean, completely dropped or just like, I mean, well, one of the ones I want to talk about is, is what would have been Tim Burton's Batman three and how that, that got loosely translated into Batman forever. And he, I mean, like he had just wait, Batman forever is, um two-face and riddler yeah, that's, and, yeah the yeah, two-face that's riddler that one because that was originally and Val i mean Kilmer. like two-face and riddler were the villains expected for well not expected but confirmed for the um batman 3 okay. which i think the working title was just batman continues makes so, sense yeah yeah and it would have been it would have been with the same tone and feel that we got for Batman and Batman Returns, but I've read I've there's there was a lot of things about why they abandoned it for Batman Forever instead. Was toys there was toys a, there toys was a lot of, toys? Yeah, it wasn't just toys, but also oh. they got a lot of pressure from McDonald's, no less, about. Because obviously they were selling toys with the with the Happy Meals. Because it was like, oh yeah, like, what kid doesn't want a Batman toy? But when McDonald's was seeing the films and you had Batman killing people, the Penguin like vomiting up like black goo, and he was a little cretin of a man, and Michelle Pfeiffer being so fucking sexual, they would they would really like, oh no, we don't that isn't what we want to be selling so you have to change it and but there was that another... is that is legitimately what kids want to watch <laughs> yeah i mean you, you would think so uh but it was just, yeah they would they just 
they just didn't want it because they it just didn't it didn't suit their brand kind of shit and yeah so that was there were a few things like that where it was outside pressures forcing warner to change it and yeah toys was another one of it because uh just there uh, it 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 was a few things because it was like again it was the designs because they felt like they couldn't market the um i know i i i know the the suits and the i know the suits in the batmobile um and a lot of the batarangs and that were made as toys before they were made as film props yeah they couldn't they didn't like the designs of the characters they wanted more just like dumb shit like what we got in batman forever and so Burton got kicked off the project and then it was terrible. And they thought they thought what Batman Forever was was actually gonna succeed. And lo and behold, it fucking tanked. Did it did it actually tank financially though? Because it it gave them enough confidence to make another one in like in even more extreme tone, if that's possible. Yeah, it I mean I'm I'm not using this as a point to defend Batman and Robin. But what was planned with Batman Forever and what became Batman and Robin were quite different because there was meant to be there was meant to be a direct sequel to Batman Forever. That's, I think it was still even set to include Val Kilmer's Batman. And then because of the failure, terrible reception they got, they had to cancel that. So that was that was a that was a cancelled project that then led to a terrible attempt to keep it going that then cancelled a whole other series of films and then gave us Batman and Robin. So as if the yeah so like if as if the fucking writing wasn't on the walls from DC's dawn age with cinema. There's like there's just been plenty of films that have just promised us so much and then failed. Um, one of the other ones was Justice... Actually, yeah, we were talking about Justice League Dark for a bit earlier. And there was a... Um, for eight, I think even there was a point where Del Toro was actually confirmed to do Justice League Dark and they were working on it. Oh, yeah, fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that, like that fully. Was, yeah, that was going ahead for time, but then... Um, it's literally this DCEU that stopped that from happening and then went Mm. and failed anyway yeah and then they they even they did they tried to bring back a Justice League Dark project as a part of the DCEU but after Justice League failed they scrapped it again because one of the reasons Del Toro jumped out is because they wanted to shoot it at the same time he was doing Pacific Rim 2, I believe. And... I don't get how we... We didn't get Justice League Dark, but we did get Suicide Squad. Ah, oh, don't even fucking get me started. Yeah. <laughs> they, I think what with Suicide Squad, they, they thought they could do something akin to... I think they wanted a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of group. Even I mean, even though the tones were different, that was that was the ship they were sailing with and then the fucking sails went up in the sun 
Yeah. Um, you, I mean, the the main difference between those two films, I'd say, is you care about the vast majority of the Guardians. You know, you you yeah. you care about Rocket. You care about Groot. You you care about. Oh yeah, you were uh, invested in them. Yeah, and even even in the first film, you were. Whereas in Suicide Squad, You'd really you couldn't care less. No, you couldn't. No, yeah. I think they only. Um, I think Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Maybe I felt like all the other characters were like. I don't know. They they introduced so many so quickly, and it was their their origin stories were so like forced. Whereas like with guardians like they just kind of pick everyone up along the way you get the backstory but just through like free-flowing conversation it's not like boom this is this guy this is what he did and then like they didn't give like the other character like the the, the dude who's on fire the mexican like gangster diablo diablo yeah. yeah yeah that was it like i wanted to know more about him as well but like I don't know, it was just too quick. You can't give enough backstory. I was also trying to develop this, whatever, um, what was her name? Margot Robbie's character. Yeah. Oh, Margot Robbie was Harley Quinn. Yeah, no, yeah my bad. Uh, Cara Delevingne. Yeah, that's yeah. The one I was yeah, yeah that, was, that was the Enchantress. Yeah, like, I, there was just too much going on in such a short film. They were trying to juggle so many fucking pies and then they all piled up on their faces. One of the biggest problems, I think, was in post-production when they released a series of trailers cut to music that were really, really sick trailers. Yeah. The trailers were awesome, yeah. right? D- so DC then there was like, a mean trailer. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we've got to cut the film like we've cut the trailer. So it became, there was a part, there's a part in the film where it, it almost looks like music videos. Yeah, know? there's, God, yeah, how many fucking montages? Yeah. There's so it's, many montage sequences in that film, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, all right, this is the 21 Pilots music video yeah. bit, um, you know. And there were a few distinctive songs in that film. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was one thing yeah, that got me with that. Banging. Yeah, what I I had I downloaded the soundtrack because what the problem I had with it, and this is and this kind of reflects the film, is like. Each song that was on that soundtrack was individually good, but as a playlist, none of them flow together. And that is quite literally what happened in that film is like, yeah, Killer Croc is one of my favorite fucking villains. Badass. Harley Quinn, she was all right. I wasn't too hot on her like everyone else was. But they had some, yeah, even Boomerang is class, but they just didn't work together. And that was that was the fuck up they had. I think as well, they the tr- the trailer teased you with the Joker too much. Like the, oh, the trailer, definitely. like a good like thirty percent of the trailer, or at least the end of it, like with him like laying on the floor with all the nice round of it. It was like, oh my god, the Joker's gonna be a big character in this, but he, he's just not. So yeah, like, he, they should have even left about the trailer and just have him as a cameo as a nice surprise or or whatnot or like because they built it up like everyone was like oh how's jared leto gonna do how's jared or this like no one was even talking about will smith or anyone like that like yeah. everyone was just obsessed with the the latest movie joker and it just seems like they were so scared to mess it up that they just cut most of it out to the point where when they released it on dvd 
they had an extended version which has like an extra 20 odd minutes of joker footage yeah and it was like why didn't you put that into the film when you use that as as the pool for the film of having this jared leto and well i i heard that i think it was the original draft for the suicide squad film was joker as the villain and so I think that was why there was early prioritization for him and like getting his character solid. But then they decided to go the other way with Enchantress. I think it would have been a hard twist if the whole job they had to do for um, Viola Davis, I forget the character now. Waller. Yeah, Amanda Waller, yeah. Um, is it If when they get to that room and they open the door, the Joker is just sitting there and she's like oh hey pudding and like he just takes off with her and just like leaves them in all the shit that they now have to deal with like mm. rather than literally the bit where the, he comes in the helicopter just yeah. out of nowhere like, i don't get why he wasn't like oh he had amanda waller working for him the whole time yeah, that'd have actually been a sick ending as well yeah oh yeah it would have been way cool it was just like this <laughs> whole thing he set up like as a distraction yeah, that would have been hard, man. That would, but that would, that, that would have been a good, like, mo- like a modern version of Joker type shit to pull, like where it's the very planned Joker, not like the anarchic one. I, I mean, even the one from Dark Knight kind of gave the face of being very anarchic, but was very intelligent and the biggest fucking schemer there ever was. Oh, yeah. And, like, every word was a lie, and it's beautiful. Yeah, that speech to Harvey Dent, like, where he's just like, oh, like, I'm not a player. Like, I don't scheme. And it's just like, fuck off, man. Like, you're the biggest schemer I've ever seen. I can't believe a word of it. That boat, the the two boats, is probably, Oh, yeah, that was a madness, man. Just one of the best scenes for just, like, seeing human behavior you know what i mean and the, the way he tells the stories of the scars on his face to like the 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 gang boss it's about daddy issues you know clearly mm. detecting that guy's got daddy issues and then uh when it's with um mary gyllenhaal is it, it's not mary is it um, oh, um but anyway rachel in the film rachel, yeah. I think it's a is it Elizabeth Gyllenhaal? No, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. Um, like then it's like uh, about his wife being disfigured and he disfigures himself because of it. You know, obviously that's come from yeah. her character. Um, and then yeah, you know, when it one, well, when it gets to the Batman one, do you know how, how I get these scars? Man just gives him more no, scars. <laughs> but yeah, back to Justice League Dark. <laughs> Yeah, well, but I think d- just Del Toro would have been so fucking perfect for that film. Like, especially do you, after do you know what characters what he, he had? Was Swamp Thing um, in it? Yeah, yeah, it was going to be led by Constantine. Uh, it was going to have Swamp Thing. Keanu Zatanna. for Constantine. I still yeah, think yeah, that can work. I think it was work. a Keanu Constantine. Oh, sick. Um, actually, speaking of uh, Keanu, there was another failed one, which was... Um, what was the name of the directors from The Matrix? They the Wachowskis. Were, yeah, yeah, the Wachowskis were meant to do a Plastic Man film with Keanu. You're as joking. Man. Yeah, that was, no. that was a thing. Yeah, it was, and it was off the back of the second Matrix movie was when they were born in for it, and it never happened. I can't happened. believe this. I've heard that, like, Marlon Wayans is, is bidding to play Plastic Man. Was it plastic, man? Okay, I'm gonna move on to mine then. So, 
Unless, um, oh no, we'll, we'll go with yours after because that's more of a talking point. So, in the individual segments today, I wanted to bring forward Todd Phillips. He's a producer, writer, and director. Todd Phillips is a, a filmmaker responsible for $2.9 billion of worldwide box office revenue. Well, when I say responsible, it means that he was either a, a producer, a director, a writer, all three... Or, or just one. Oh yeah, he's also directing the Joker, but his um, his catalogue of films is is very interesting, um, and I'm just going to run through them with the Rotten Tomato scores, which I like using Rotten Tomato scores because it essentially combines whether people liked or didn't like the film and gives you a score of how many people just simply did or didn't like the film doesn't really give you uh, an idea of how good the film is it's just how relatable it is to audiences you know how audiences on a whole like the film so i'm going to use that and i'm going to use estimates of uh, budget and and gross uh, and then try and figure out um, how much money his career made so in 2000, he wrote and directed Road Trip, uh, which got a critic score of 58% and an audience score of 65%. On a budget of $16 million, it made uh, $119 million worldwide. Then three years later, in 2003, he did Old School. He was a producer, director, and writer. Uh, and a critic score of 60%, so that's fresh. And an audience score of 86%. Um, a popular film and... You could consider it like a, I guess, a modern cult classic in in the comedy film. On a budget of sixty million, it grossed eighty seven million worldwide. Two thousand and four, he did the shocking Starsky and Hutch. He actually wrote and directed this. Although it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at sixty two percent, it does have a an audience score forty nine percent, and I'm definitely in the fifty one percent of that. On a yeah, budget was, of sixty percent, it grossed one hundred seventy million man. worldwide. You love Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, I, just think I love it's so, one line it's so in it where hilarious. Snoop Dogg's like, <laughs> "I know a lot about weed." Sorry, I know a lot about grass. Yeah. Uh, no, I just thought it, for me, it, for me, it's one of those films where like it's a it's a trash film where like <sighs> it's entertainingly bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a bit like how everyone like quote like likes the room, but didn't, wouldn't say it's a good film. It's a good trash film. <sighs> like for me, that's what Starsky and Hutch is. It's like it's a shit film, and I love it because it's shit. Right, I'm gonna have to let you have that one because <laughs> I can't <laughs> agree with that. Um, okay, in 2006, he was one of the writers of Borat, which. Uh, Massive critical acclaim, 91% of Rotten Tomatoes, an, an, an audience score of 79%. Uh, on a budget of only 18 million, it grossed 261 million worldwide. That was a massive hit. In 2006, he did School for Scoundrels. So he followed up with his writing in Borat as a producer, director, and writer in School for Scoundrels. And it bombed hard. Uh, a critic score of 26% and an audience score of 52%. On a budget of 35 million, it only grossed 23 million worldwide and lost the studio a lot of money. School for Scoundrels is a better film than Borat, Starsky and Hutch, and. Wait, what else, what else did you do? I've not, I've not seen you know, School for Scoundrels. What is it? It's not- I've not seen Old School. I don't know. Road Trip is also a classic, but School for Scoundrels is a hidden gem, honestly. Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. Uh, what's, yeah, what's his name? John Hader, yeah. 
uh, even the support actress, I don't know what her name is, the Australian girl in it, just the scenes in that Lesher, when the, the paintball, everything, the paintballing, like, it's just, it's so well. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a perfect film. I would, I would, I'd put it out there, I'd put it out there. It's perfect film. No, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a big know. statement. A big <laughs> statement. Rewatch that film. Well, I've never even, even watched for it its once. Time, for its time, it just it just holds it. Honestly. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All yeah. right. If it's on the Netflix one night, I might I might give it a watch then. Uh, I might see if I can find a disc of it. Yeah. In two in two thousand and nine, he birthed his biggest franchise <laughs> as a producer and director of The Hangover, uh, with a critic score of seventy eight percent, audience score of eighty four percent. Majority of people love the first Hangover film on a budget of just thirty five million. It grossed four hundred and sixty seven million worldwide. And in terms of like uh, profit, that's probably his biggest film. He followed it up in 2010 with Due Date um, as a producer, writer, and director. Um, that that had Zach Galifianakis. Uh, it was yeah. his follow up from The Hangover, um, alongside Robert Downey Jr. And I, I think it was a decent comedy, but it, it wasn't anything like uh, I, I, amazing. I heard that was pretty. My dad actually really likes that film. Okay, there were a few like good quips and stuff in it, uh, but still, half the audience didn't like it. Fifty two percent, and the vast majority of cri- well, not vast majority, but sixty percent of the critics did not like this film. So. You know, uh, it did actually uh, bomb when we look at the numbers a little bit closer in a minute. But um, on a 65 million budget, it grossed um, 211 million. Hangover Part 2 came next. He produced, wrote and directed it. Um, Although uh, critics, it only got a 33% score and only half the audience liked it. It still made a lot of money. On an $80 million budget, it made $586 million. Um, Tell a lie. Tell a lie, I actually prefer the second one to the first hangover. Ooh. I know it's a fucking controversial statement. I don't and know. And I'm probably alone on that. One is just the first one though, but in a different in a different country. Yeah, but I just think I just okay yeah, I just don't I think it's better than the first one though. Like I mean I just think But 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 why? I don't know, I just think it's I just think it, I just find it funnier. Like I think one of the things is I love um Oh, what's the actor's name? Right, the monkey, anyway, I think the the monkey ca- in the second one had it going. Like that is probably the only little bit I don't of even... edge I would say the second one had. No, I was gonna say it's um, what's the the Asian character's name? Is it Chow? Chow or Chow? Oh, Mr. Chow. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Chow made that film. I loved Chow. Yeah, but <laughs> he, no, he the, was what made... I'm gonna argue this against you because on the first film, Chow has the lines. Yeah. The uh, Solange gay boys and the 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 iconic you want to fuck on me (laughs) yeah iconic iconic Chow is in the first film not the second yeah I uh, I don't know I prefer I liked having him as a main feature for the second and I I think as well I preferred the settings of Bangkok to Las Vegas I I just love like Mike Tyson Tigers. You know, I mean, the police, the the police scene in the uh, the first one as well. Oh yeah, that's a good. When they're getting tased and that, it's just too much. Like when that kid, that that, that chubby kid, stands up and just looks up at Alan. And the the missing tooth, you know, uh, his missing tooth is too funny. Uh, The mystery of the missing tooth. (laughs) And uh, right, so 
Um, the film he did after Hangover 2, he produced Project X, had a critic score 28%, but the audiences kind of liked it at 61%, and a budget of just 12 million, it grossed 102 million. The worldwide box office, that was a healthy return. Um, in 2013, Hangover Part 3 came, where he produced, wrote it, and directed it. Um, critics hated it at 20%, and majority of audiences didn't like it either. He only had a 44% score. Uh, on a $103 million, power, million dollar budget, which is his highest budget film to date, um, it grossed $362 million, which just about makes it a profit. But at the same time, um, you know, the end to a franchise, you want it to be making more than the film that came before. Um, and it really didn't. Um, in 2016, uh, he produced, directed, and wrote War Dogs. War Dogs has a fresh rating at 60% with critics and an audience score of 68%. I actually quite liked uh, War Dogs. I had a good time with it. On a, but on a budget of $40 million, it only grosses $86 million, which probably lost the film money. Uh, War Dogs starred Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. Um, was that not? I thought I thought that was a net on Netflix original, wasn't it? Well, um, what I want to go into in a in a minute is how uh, I mean, all I have here is box office numbers, and it did have yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, a cinema release. But makes me think I'm wrong on that one. Yeah, it did have a cinema release, but it was like uh, it was released very quickly on on streaming, um, and then. Fairs. The last film he was involved in is 2018, A Star Is Born. He produced this film, um, and this is, you know, A Star Is Born is like, a, a, you know, Oscar caliber kind of film. It was nominated a lot. Oh yeah, uh, probably I loved won in that places. film. Yeah, uh, a quick rating of 90 percent, audience score of 79 percent, on a budget of only 36 million, it grossed 434 million worldwide. So, how to make sense of these numbers? Typically, market is equal to production budget. Uh, if you've got a hundred million pound movie, you're going to spend a hundred million on selling said movie. Um, that's a typical rule. Doesn't always work that way. None. There is no set rule really. Uh, I've, I'm also saying that typically a studio receives sixty percent of the box office. The cinema receives a cut of the box office. The people that you know send the digital things to and from the cinema, they receive a little cut. So typically, a studio might receive about sixty percent of the of the money of your ticket. So taking that into consideration with the box office estimates, I can get an idea of a film's probability and which um, Todd Phillips films in total. Um, I, I can say that the about six hundred and seventy-two million of the worldwide box office of profit so he's a very profitable filmmaker the bulk of that is brought by the hangover franchise which is worth around 400 million dollars uh, in sort of profit combined he suffered losses with starsky and hutch um, due day and school for scoundrels all of which were both panned by audience audiences and critics all except however starsky and hutch which is actually fresh on rotten tomatoes um, his writing for both borat and a star is born represents although it produced a star is born uh, but they produced large chunks of his um combined income 
so to speak, uh, with uh, 120 million and 188 million respectively, both receiving praise from critics and audiences alike. War Dogs, however, um, starring Miles Teller and Jonah Hill, is an interesting one. It would have undoubtedly made a significant loss at the box office, but it was praised by both audiences and critics. I believe this film would have made money through digital downloads, DVD sales and the likes. And as Solo sort of mentioned earlier, uh, it had a very quick streaming release and was popular on uh, on Netflix. Mm. Yeah. So the, the question I wanted to say, we've gone through uh, a little uh, mini biography of Todd Phillips's um, career. What are you... Does this... Obviously, we we we're a bit we we know a bit too much about the Joker film in terms of it's been getting really good critical praise um, on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. It's like a nine point five and stuff. So, um, but taking that out of the consideration, if you saw this lineup of films, how confident do you feel about this guy being able to pull off a Joker film starring Joaquin Phoenix? Um, it's an interesting run of films, right? Like. It, it it's it's straight up for the vast part majority comedy, That's what I'm thinking. and I don't know if the Joker needs a comedic director. No, I think. Yeah, I think. Because yeah. I'd I'd be more thinking of going like some kind of thriller director, you know, or, or maybe even horror. Yeah, I'd be looking at like James Wan or someone. I'm not too sure. I I I think since Heath Ledger just changed the Joker, like just for the, I don't think anyone really wants to see a comedic Joker anymore because everyone's always going to compare him to the just the craziness of Ledger's Joker. That's why I think like Jared Leto tried so hard to be just different and whatnot. And as with phoenix i think but this is the thing that i think phoenix is the tone i've got from the trailer i haven't seen the film yet like mm. it, i'm getting like everyone's just trying to out dark each other and like like even the joker in the gotham series was tapped and he was a, like a kid really wasn't he he was like a teenager yeah like, yeah I yeah think, i think somewhere between 16 and 22 i think is what he's going to be yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think everyone's just trying to be more and more sadistic. I think as well with like a lot of stigma around, obviously clowns as just like over the last couple of years, especially since the Dark Knight. Like people weren't as scared of clowns five years ago. Well, when how five years ago? It was like two thousand and eight, wasn't it? Dark Knight. Yeah, it so, was yeah. two thousand eight. Eleven years ago, you know what I mean? People weren't as scared. There wasn't as much controversy, but now. The last couple of years with what's happened in news with sightings and whatnot, everyone is is at least aware of the freakiness of clowns. If you're not necessarily scared of them, just you it. like them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, and th- there were all those fucking um, clown stabbings as well. Yeah, there was, that, there was a there was a couple in Chef and just all over. That's what I mean. So like, I think when you take on a Joker film. You gotta be the craziest, really. I, I, I can't. I can't see. I don't know. When I see that lineup, and I'm seeing Hangover, and well, School for Scoundrels, and all that, 
with I'm not with thinking. the lineup. I want to I want to defend it slightly. I'm not. Thinking yeah, no, no. I'm gonna. Nolan. I think the defense that I put is that if you if you look at the films on the lineup, save for a few, they're all character based. And if you look at if you look at the ones, they all do have pretty strong characters. Like you could even the Hangover characters are pretty well defined, well executed. And so for a solo movie like Joker, he's proven that he has good grasp of character. He can deliver. It's believable. And from Star is Born, like some of the color and like visual aids through that film, I think are very translatable to what we're going to see in Joker, especially in like the theatrical aspect. Yeah, that is Joker. I wanted. I want to defend it from and, a, yeah. a perspective of Todd Phillips as a person, rather than okay. looking at his career. He's he is a comedian, you know. Although it's through, it clearly comedy films is what he writes, directs, and produces. But he suffered yeah. major losses within comedy as well. One of the toughest blows is when nobody laughs at your comedy. Uh, with, oh yeah, with, comedy can make or break career. Yeah, and he's failed with um, Starsky and Hutch. Had uh, you know Ben Stiller, who was massive in the early two thousands, and, and Owen Wilson. Owen, yeah, Owen Wilson and a Snoop Dogg and School for Scoundrels. Had uh, you know John Hedder, but f- fresh out of uh, Napoleon Dynamite, like he was a bit of an indie darling for a moment. P- people thought something of him, and Billy Bob Thornton, who's you know, I, I, looking at the the day, I assume he's fresh off Bad Santa, and that was a that was a big moment for Billy Bob Thornton. Hey, you know, so he's taken not, some. I think they were both two thousand and three. Yeah, he's taken some severe losses, and he's taken you know he's had he's had some wins in comedy. I think that puts him in a sort of as a person in a in a in a good psychological position to to try and figure out how to make a Joker film. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So yeah, um, actually, I just, I just want to say, like, yeah, I, I kind of agree with, with you now. So I feel like you've made like a really solid, <laughs> solid point there. Like every, every, even Road Trip being one of his first yeah, yeah, ones. I mean, that's the a, different that's characters two, in that. Two people. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's, he's clearly got a strong sense of character. The road trip, it's the comedy road trip, isn't it? Where he sends the sex tape and has to go get it back. I haven't, I haven't seen Road Trip. That is the one, right? Runabout. Because if so, like, yeah, there is like, it's kind of like your OG in between us with like a group of four of them. Like, but they're all just oh, madly shit, different. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That film. Like, yeah, the characters in that are really well developed as well. Like yeah, really yeah, well, well that's, developed. That's why, like, going purely off of just his career, like ignoring what we've what we've seen of Joker from like press releases and trailers, he does show that character is definitely a strong area for him as a director, and that yeah. gives me confidence going into Joker as purely a character driven film, which is what I'd, what you'd expect it to be, really. Yeah. Great. So. Um, it's without question that Todd Phillips is um, a seasoned comedic film director, writer, producer, and if we are to believe the reactions we've heard so far, so far he's absolutely smashed it with a Joker. 
to be released here in the UK on the 4th of October, and I'm sure very shortly after that date, we'll uh, we'll be talking about it. Oh, yeah, defo. Um, so, Sam, you've, you've brought a piece of, uh, I think, news yeah. to talk about. Just uh, a little shout-out to one of my favourite film franchises. I'm even a fan of the new ones. Uh, it was announced recently that Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum will all be reprising major roles in Jurassic in the new Jurassic World film. And they're not even just cameos. They're actually major parts. Oh yeah, they released they just released like a um a short for the new film, didn't they? Yeah, um it was, it was yeah, of like what the world was like. Oh, it was on Collider they announced it. Collider ran uh, like a kind of Q&A for the first Jurassic Park thing where um, what's she called? Um, the, the the female actress, Laura Dern. Well, Laura, Laura Dern was there and then she took the stage and, and sort of announced in a bit of a tongue-in-cheek way that um, yeah, the, the, the main three are going to be back in the next Jurassic Park and that it's not just going to be cameos either. They're actually, you know, the 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 meaty roles. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to have an impact on the story. Yeah, and to be honest, like, I, I don't know how to describe it because like, I love the original Jurassic Park films. However, oh, I love the yeah. look of the new ones obviously because we're so much further on and whatnot like i i think the whereas where the new ones lack in story they make up in cgi dinosaur fight and that's what i like i i de- a lot of people hate on fallen kingdom but i defend that film i mean that film's got heart you know when, yeah. when you see the, the the what is it a diplodocus at, at the edge of the the island as the volcanoes coming through that's fucking heartbreaking when yeah. when they're in the um in the cages in the mansion and they're about to get gassed like you you you're invested in these dinosaurs man maybe not so much the characters of the new ones but you it definitely um uh, you care about the dinosaurs I I I'm, I haven't actually seen Fallen Kingdom yet, but like like because orig- cause to be honest, I wasn't too hot on the first Jurassic World, okay. but and so that was why I skipped on Fallen Kingdom. But I mean, like everything I've heard has said Fallen Kingdom was fucking banging. Yeah, do you think do you think you watch it from what I've just said about it? Yeah, it's, it, to be honest, there's there's no reason that I haven't watched it other than the fact like. I haven't I haven't seen it advertised on TV. Um, it hasn't come up on like a suggestion on a streaming service or anything. So I just ha- I just haven't come across it, and that's literally the only reason I haven't seen it. Okay, so knowing you haven't seen Fallen Kingdom, yeah. would will you be watching this film? Providing obviously you know they don't shit the bed with the trailers, with um, Sam Neill. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I mean, I watch it for Jeff Goldblum, man. Yeah, I'm not I even think... gonna lie. Jeff Goldblum's an absolute straight up G. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a he's a right legend. Yeah. But yeah, the re the reason I wouldn't go see it in cinema would be just because I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom yet. You know what I mean? Like if I if I watch that first, and depending how I like that, 
I may or may not go see this third one in cinema. Yeah, there are a few... Um, there's a few things you need to know from the second one before you watch the yeah, third one. Otherwise, I think you'd be quite I mean. confused, like, to be honest. Exact. Because I know, I know that quite a lot, like, story-wise, happens in the second one. So I wouldn't want to go see the third one. Well, at least definitely not in cinema. I wouldn't want to go see it not knowing what's happened in the second one. So that's yeah. what holds me back from 100% saying I'll go. Even though I fucking love Jurassic Park. Because, I mean, it's fucking dinosaurs, isn't it? What more do you yeah, want for a film? <laughs> like, not being funny, but live-action dinosaurs. I'll, I'll go see that any fucking day. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're a little bit over time uh, today. I, w- I did want to just, just sort of mention something that I saw this morning and I'd already picked a, a lot of information from my Top Phillips section. But um, Disney have, have give um, a Star Wars project to Kevin Feige. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Now, I'm kind of thinking that within the next five years, Kevin Feige's head of Disney. <laughs> like le- legitimately now they're gonna see if he can um do something over in star wars and like i see a lot of fans kind of panicking over the oh no that means marvel's going downhill but he's created a sh- machine with marvel like yeah if kevin Feige will actually be doing very little on these films at this point you know apart right. from being like i know you're the right guy for the job because i've overseen everything you've done you know yeah. done so like yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm mad excited for anything um Kevin Feige is gonna do and I also think that like he could actually bring us away from the, the Skywalker saga that you know you know yeah, the the I thing with that... Star Wars is you can you can have shit films and the franchise still be great if they're not you know if everything rely it doesn't rely on them so much. You know, like, yeah. I feel like Last Jedi would have been forgiven and been known as a great film had it not been part of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. fresh news as well is that uh, Chris Evans wants a role in the Star Wars film. Can, can I just mention there, though, that an actor saying he wants a job in a Star Wars film, it's, it, yeah, it, it, it's like saying it's a sky blue <laughs> Yeah, but Chris Evans saying it means I mean he's got he's got pull these days that he could just do that. Yeah. He's cap. Yeah. He's the face he's the face of a whole franchise. But he's probably going to be like look just he was one of two faces for a whole franchise. Yeah, he's probably going to be a bit like look don't don't make me like fucking He-Man again, please, you know. Like mm. took yeah, its toll that that, that decade be- of working out yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're we're way over time anyway. So uh, we like we want to we've just I don't know th- this podcast is is in a conceptual phase and we're working out the kinks and that. But we feel feel like it'd be nice to finish it off on a couple of reviews, not necessarily like new films, just something that we've seen this week. Um, Solo, you're going to kick it off with a film that I'd heard of but never seen. Um, take the mic. Yeah, I w- I was the same with this film until. I mean, until just earlier in the week when I saw it on Prime and I was just like, man, what a fucking banger, which is Toxic Avenger from 1984, which is... Um, isn't that, isn't that the, part of the um, that, that, that mad production company? Yeah, Trauma. Trauma, Trauma that's the one, yeah. Yeah, who are like the kings of B-movie. 
Uh, oh, what's the guy? It just name? makes me Lloyd... think of Alistair Richard, you know. <laughs> I think it's Lloyd Kaufman is the like it head is, of yeah, trauma yeah. pictures, and just their films are so they're so like unique for just over the top screams, like ridiculous plots. So there's and like and as well for slime. Like actually, Lloyd Kaufman and Trauma have a patented slime formula that is used in all of their films, and no one else can use that particular kind of slime. That's hilarious. Which, yeah, I know. I think it's fucking jokes. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, the plot of Toxic Avenger is as ridiculous as they come, and it's this. Oh, what was his name again? Um. Melvin, yeah. So the character's Melvin. He's a janitor at a fitness club, and he's just like a typical dork. And of course, because it's a B, it's a B movie trauma film. Those characteristics are exaggerated so much more. Like he's constantly squinting and like has his mouth like super tight. Has he got braces on? No, no. It's like he's just. He does. I, I guess he doesn't dress like a. Well, li- literally, he doesn't like a melvin he doesn't dress like one but he looks and acts like one and that's why they call it that's why he's called melvin and basically he gets thrown into a vat of toxic waste because the guys who are driving it through town pull up inside of the fitness club to do a bunch of coke in the front seat and he gets thrown out the window and lands in the barrels and falls out onto the street Oh, good old radiation. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the classic. And, like, he is, like, rolling around, like, his skin's burning. He sets on fire for no reason. <laughs> He's running around. And it's just, it's such good quality trash that trauma films are iconic for. And it was, it was part of, like, the, like, well, Toxic Avenger was part of, like, the midnight movie era of films where, you could go to a cinema at midnight because that was when you could go and see like the cult films that couldn't really be shown at regular time. Just be- like I'm not sure what the bullshit was at the time that these films weren't allowed to be seen in the day. It, but you literally had to go for a midnight screening to watch these. America have and some it- booky like censorship laws and that kind of stuff. Oh don't yeah, they? completely. Yeah. And like it felt, yeah, it, there was like a whole category of film, like uh, Dark Stars, a famous one, El Topo, where they just didn't belong. They, they were so far from mainstream cinema that they literally didn't appear alongside those films. They had that. They had their own time when you could watch these. Wonderful. And, and it, yeah, it was a part of that iconic age of cinema. And like I mean, it was so, it was so I got like it got it was another one that it got panned by um, review like common like the reviews hated it, but if there was a Rotten Tomatoes at the time, the audience score would have been through the roof. Everyone who actually saw it loved it, and and like I think it was it had I think it went as far as four sequels that were all successful. And there's even a, there's even a reboot that was meant to come out this year, but I'm not sure what happened to it. it just like, I think off, God, is it? F- yeah, like f- 
35 years now? Yeah, yeah, I think it's 30, yeah, 35. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm, I'm struggling with maths, but yeah, 35 <laughs> years on, it's still such an iconic film. And like that here, that, like the poster of him standing with the American flag, and he's just got, he's just holding like a mop. I like, it's so, there's just something so trash and so beautiful about it that it was so good. I thought it was hilarious. Unbelievable. Okay, so if you've got Prime, check that out. Let Solo know yeah, what you think of all it. Of, all of them are actually on Prime. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna chain through them all at some point. Okay. Well, you'll have to let us know how that gets on. Uh, what yeah, film yeah, are you bringing today, uh, Sam? I know, I know. We're running for time, so just, just run right, straight snap, through it. Snap review, right? I saw a film. Big up my dad for telling me about this one. I'd never actually heard of it. Surprising as well, star studded cast. It's uh, 1996. Uh, it's a film called Sleepers, which uh, oh, it's directed by Barry Levinson, and it stars Kevin Bacon, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Brad Pitt, Jason Patrick, Mini Drop. Oh, there's there's so many. Brad Renfro, like, and it's basically That's pretty revolved. Heavy cast. It is, yeah, and it revolves around um, a group of friends, like, growing up in Hell's Kitchen in New York that start, like, getting involved in street life, that sort of thing, growing up on the streets, that kind of thing. They end up injuring a um, a hot dog vendor when trying to steal his, his, his cart, basically, and they're all sentenced to a, like a, like a boy's prison, basically. However, like what happens within that prison, the the guards, Kevin Bacon, them kind of people there, uh, it's it's honestly quite brutal to be honest. There's a lot of abuse uh, that goes down in there, and like the film is a long film, it's three hours long, uh, almost. But you you see two different timelines. You see how the uh, abuse changes and shapes the boys into later life and. To be honest, without giving too much away, I would I would just say just watch it. Very powerful. Um, really opens your eyes as to what can go down in these. Um, Wait, who's um, who's the director on it? Uh, Barry Levinson. Mm. Oh. I've not. I mean, I'm terrible with directors' names. So I was just hoping it was one of the ones I recognised. Sadly, it's not. Um, Is it? He he did uh, Rain Man. Oh, right. yeah, that's meant to be pretty good as well. Yeah, Rayman's great. I'm um, just looking what else he's done. Avalon, Bugsy. Um, not a lot in the last decade or so, but um, I mean, this this film on a relatively low budget managed to gross 160 odd million. So, well, um, in pro- in producer credits, he. Um, I, I mean, he might have directed these as well, but there's Donny Brasco and there's Sphere. Oh, right. And Sphere is a bit of a sci-fi cult classic. And Do- Donny Brasco f- was one of my... F- probably still is one of my favourite, like, sort of mafia films. Oh, he's done... Um, He did the uh, Borgia TV series, if you ever watched that. No. Uh, well, it was just about the... um just about the Borgia family and their rise to power. There's like maybe three or four different TV shows about it. 
Yeah, there's um, uh, 38 episodes from 2011 to 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's that's quite that one. That it's that one and one other are the two best ones in my opinion. Yeah, no, uh, amazing film. Uh, definitely give that a watch. See a young-looking De Niro and Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, Rogan. Um. Mine's a bit different. Mine's absolutely awful. Um, I watched uh, the 2018 um, Robin Hood the 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 other day. Uh, no, it's no, directed by Otto Bathurst. Um, it's got Taron Egerton, Jamie Foxx, Ben Mendelsohn. Um, Taron Egerton from Kingsman. He plays Robin. Uh, Jamie Foxx from everything. Um, <laughs> he, he's like the guy who trains him. Um, and Ben Mendelsohn uh, plays the sheriff of Nottingham um, and essentially he like comes back from war uh, to uh, his broken down manner and everything, everything's been taxed and, and repossessed and uh, he has to be Robin of Loxley the, this like rich guy uh, to go and make connections to essentially rob the money and, and give it back to the poor the typical Robin Hood story the, but this one is very it feels like Batman very closely. Like the guy um, who trains him sort of um, makes him a, a nice arrow and, and kind of and that, that sort of becomes his major gadget like Alfred. Um, and they, they build a lair together and the way he has to be Robin of Loxley feels like how Batman has to be Bruce Wayne um, and so on and so forth. It's, it, it's very like, it feels very forced. Um, none of the characters you relate to like I literally did not care and I really wanted to like this film um it was such a disappointment at the very most I give it five out of ten just because there's enough action there to to keep your attention but in terms of like um characters and anyone to root for it's it's pretty awful really um so yeah I, I give it a five out of ten to go through hours which do you think is the highest rated of our three films in, in Rotten Tomatoes um, and it's close it's within 3% I think it's probably between mine and Sam's yeah to uh, be, to... absolutely with, with a, a, big, a big way a big way <laughs> I think I'm just gonna go I think I think you know I, I feel like it's gonna be Toxic Avenger just cause of how like timeless that film was because it's cool well to be fair yeah, yeah. toxic avenger only has a count of 20 whereas the sleepers has 55 so it's it's a bigger pool but toxic avenger 70 percent certified fresh sleepers 73 <sighs> percent yeah just oh, i guess sam's um, won this week then oh no <laughs> robin hood at a whopping Fifteen percent. Fifteen. Fifteen has the highest count as well. One hundred and sixty-two. Some people had very strong feelings about it. Then. (laughs) This is a review. Hey, it's almost as if they're stealing our money and selling it right back to us (laughs) by way of another thoughtless capitalistic Robin Hood remount. So, yeah. (laughs) So that was the show today, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, 
you um sam shout out your glenn smith productions thing yeah go follow at glenn smith productions 97 on instagram um we're we've got content for you basically it's coming fast yeah and over to solo shall uh you've got anything uh, you want to well, promote not really but i'll be on the i'll be on twitter soon i think <laughs> oh i'm never going to be on twitter no no that's a cesspool of trolls right there if you're on twitter uh, I d- i'm not even going to apologize for that comment <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah you, you 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 can generally find me on certain things by searching my name uh rogan oh yeah uh, same like i mean yeah fortunately it's easy to find like one of the 10 people called solo in the world <laughs> so if you want to track me down then it, all, all the info you need is there <laughs> awesome all right thank you all for watching we've run way beyond time now um but um it's been great um thank you very much and right. cut recording all right bye